on to the dogs, your fortnightly dose of greyhound racing interviews, insights and a whole lot more with your hosts, Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Welcome to episode 17 of Gone to the Dogs. As always, I am Danny Jackson and my co-pilot is... Joe Andrews. Hello, Danny. How are you? Did you have a nice boot camp in Scotland? <laughs> yeah, I've been telling people, you know, like um, those shows, Biggest Loser, uh, UK and USA, where they send you to a boot camp and make you do loads of hard labour and don't feed you. That's pretty much what I did last week at my mum's because I was painting <laughs> her house and um, she's got a massive farmhouse on a mountain in the middle of Scotland. And she was like, oh, I'm thinking of selling it. So you need to paint it. So I was dangling off ladders with an extendable roller around chimneys. I was painting guttering. I was power washing everything. And she did feed me um, just about. But yeah. I, Has I she given you a percentage of the sale? No. Yeah, it seems like you've got the rough end of the, the bargain here. I wouldn't I mean, go and visit her again. I've said, until you sell it, I'm not coming back because <laughs> she'll make me do all sorts. <laughs> but no, she, it was it was good fun, actually. And instead of just sitting around doing nothing, I was doing loads of stuff. So it made me then wage war on my own garden when I came back, which was oh. uh, always a positive. Good. It doesn't look very good, but I'm trying. In the zone. Indeed. Um, how about you, Joe? What have you been up to? Yeah, not much really. Just uh, I went to Hove last Saturday, of course. <laughs> what a brilliant night's racing we had, which we'll come to in a minute. Uh, but other than that, just working. I've been quite busy at work at the moment. So uh, yeah, not much, not much else exciting. It is my birthday tomorrow, Saturday. Oh, so, happy um, birthday. Yeah, thank you. 40, unfortunately. What are you doing for your big 4-0 then, Joe? Well, I don't know. Well, we're having a barbecue Saturday, but the weather's awful. So uh, <laughs> we're doing that. And then I think we'll, I've got the day off Monday, so we'll do something with the fa- you know, family Monday, my family. And then uh, I've, Lauren's taking me away in September somewhere. I don't know where. It's a surprise. Ooh. So, uh, yeah, so... So that's it, really. But four, four row, can't believe it. I mean, I only look twenty still. You do, you do. Thanks. Yeah, really ill-looking twenty-year-old. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I still feel about twenty-one, but no, forty. Yeah. So, uh, but should be a good weekend anyway. Looking forward to it. A few ciders. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and hopefully the sun makes a bit of an appearance for barbecue. It's not looking good. It, every time I look, it gets worse on uh, <laughs> on Saturday. So, uh, but we'll we'll barbecue in the rain. We're British. That's what we do. It is what we do. If you're northern, you do it in the snow as well. So it's all good. <laughs> right. Let's get into the news. You mentioned Hove. So we may as well start there because what a night of action at Hove we had. I mean, the sprint for me was absolutely superb. Clara Ivy taking the scalp of Quatera. She was superb. Yeah, she started well um, and it got out and, and won nicely. The local the local lady um, and, and connections were delighted. So uh, there was quite a few of them there on the night. I have to say, you know, credit to Hove. It was a brilliant night of racing, but it was packed. The restaurant was full. It was bursting. You know, the, the stands were, were, were packed out. Great atmosphere. Uh, bumped into a lot of people that I know and, and some people that I don't know, which was great. Good to meet people. And, it, you know, it was a really good, vibrant evening of Greyhound racing. And, uh, yeah, credit credit to Hove as well. But, uh, yeah, Kalara Ivy, brilliant. What a lovely lady she is. Um, I think, did I, did I read that she might be going to Monmore? Um, or I might have made that up. But, no, um, she is. I think she's there on on Saturday tomorrow. Yeah, so, so. so top, you know, she's one of the top sprinters around. After that, you'd have to say, and if she can continue it at other tracks, you know, it's going to be really interesting. I think, I think I did see the sprint. Googling Jets running in that race and stuff like that. It's a good, it's a good race. So, um, yeah, we'll see how she gets on at Monmore. 
We certainly will. What about the Springbok? Well, obviously my favourite race or one of my favourite races of the uh, calendar year and Droopy's chaser. I mean, what a revelation over hurdles. Pinged the lids, made every yard, jumped well. My lad, Rixie Flyerman's post bet, came third. So he got a little bit of a return, but he was just no match. Certainly when he didn't get out the boxes, Rixie Flyer, he's, his chance was cooked really because Droopy's chaser, he is an unbelievable machine. Yeah, really, really good run again. Like you said, you know, made all um, Richie Flyer. I did follow your anti-post advice and back him each way, um, you know, got the place money, but just too too slowly away. But he did did stay on pretty stoutly in, in the end. And uh, it was good to see a hurdles racing up close and pers- uh, personal because I haven't for, for a number of years. You know, I've been go ground racing quite a lot, but none of the tracks I go to have any hurdles. So we had we had a couple on uh, Saturday night. So it was good to see it wowing the crowds. Good. That's what we like because I love hurdles. Everybody knows that. Uh, what about Candelim Monsoon? Yeah, brilliant, brilliant run. It was it was a top final um, renewal of the Sussex Cup. Candelim Monsoon had a good draw in one, got out well, uh, and that was it. We know um, stays really well too. So um, it was um, it was a high class final, but he put them all to the sword. He certainly did. And then we've got a talk about the Regency because lively Lauren, she could not really have got a better start and then spaced it, came and nabbed her kind of yeah. close to the line. She was, I mean, lively Lauren's put in an absolutely superb run because to get within, you know, a couple of lengths of space jet, kudos. It was a brilliant final. It was fantastic to be part of. It really was. Um, it was a great race. It had it all. Lauren did everything we wanted her to do. Um, I was hoping she might, you know, being very critical, I was hoping she might clear Swiper a little bit earlier because they mm. were sort of neck and neck around the first bend and then she went went past him. And um, and she led everywhere but the last sort of 20, 20 metres or so. But, you know, I was saying to people on the night, you don't give it the IIs when Space Jet's in the race until they're well past the line and you know that you've definitely won. And, you know, she she was last on the last circuit and even down the, the back straight and um you know she powers home and it was a fantastic run you know she's got to be in the running for ground of the year um, oh, yeah. I'm not sure what Matt and the team are going to do now but um she just seems better than ever at four doesn't she and um you know again just fantastic run it's credit to Swiper as well he he nabbed us for second as well in the end and he ran a brilliant race mm. um you know he running sort of a4s a3s at, at Oxford over four bends and stuff and Matt said this was the the long-term plan he's had it in mind for a long time and um you know he ran a brilliant race and for Matt and the kennel to have the one two three in the race is some achievement as well so uh so credit to them but uh you know not not to be for us there's no, there's no discredit in getting beaten by Space Jet, possibly the best and most popular greyhound in Britain right now. And um, yeah, I'll um, be interesting to see what what she does next, Space Jet. Do you know I, Danny? Have you I heard anything? I think, yeah, I think she's going to the St. Ledger at Perry Bar. Oh, right. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah. So, so I've uh, already put it in the calendar. I told everyone when she was running in the region, say that I am going to see that girl race this year. I'm already <laughs> booked up for the heat. So... Knowing my luck, she's going to get knocked out in the first round and then she won't make it to the semis. No. But I'm going to the semifinals. So, because that's my only day that I've got in September that I can go. And I've even roped the other half in as well. So, we're both aye going aye. to Perry Bar on the 16th of September. I can't wait already. So, very excited uh, to see my girl Space Jet. It will be hopefully a super night. And I'm hoping she gets through the first round. She should do. <laughs> but you know, when you just think, I've probably put the mockers on her now by trying to go. 
but we'll see. No, yes. no chance. Well, I think that she's very rarely even come out of the top three, has she? I mean, she's got an unbelievable yeah. strike rate of wins. But when you look at, you know, look at the top two and top three, I mean, she's just impossible to keep out of the frame, isn't she? Um, unless something horrific, you know, happens as in like, you know, a dog gets in her way properly and put, you know, mm. to a standstill or something like that. And even then, he wouldn't put it past a qualifying for, for, for races even then. So, uh yeah, that'll be that'll be good. Who what did Havana Lover win that last year? Just yeah, went unbeaten to the final. Yeah. Ah, of course, yeah. Then we went to Oxford, of course, which is an absolutely sensational night because for me, the fact that they've put these nights on without the media rights, all hats off to everyone at Oxford with the Pall Mall. I mean, Lynx Maverick just blew them apart. Brilliant. He got off to what his customary fast start and uh, they didn't see which way he went. It again. This was a really high-class competition. All the best sort of shorter, um, you know, four-bend dogs. You know, you're not your non-toaster sort of dogs that that mm. stay the 500 and that. We're, we're all pretty much there. Ivan Exile was back in form. Um, Kevin Hutton had a lot of dogs in the, in the race, uh, but Lynx Maverick was sort of a class apart, really. Eze, the ex-track record holder there, the local ran it ran a brilliant race as well. But um, yeah, Lynx Maverick. I mean, has he only been beaten twice or three times? I mean, he's got some mm. record as well, and he's a very very high class, exciting dog. Um, and I think that's two cat ones now this year. So you know, again, one to keep your eye on. Is he going to go for the Gold Cup at Monmore? Possibly. 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 Mm. I don't know. I haven't seen anything then, but um, what a dog. What a dog. He is absolutely superb. So excited to see where his future lies in the not too distant future. And we had, of course, at Toaster on Sunday, the Juvenile, which was won by a really, really nice uh, bitch, Droopy's Clue. Brilliant run because um, I, I back righty, unfortunately. I thought it was the value and he, Same. he got out really well um, and he was just done on the line by Droopy's Clue, had a lot of ground to make up and Wrighty stays pretty well himself. So once he got loose, you just thought, oh, this is this is all over really. But Droopy's Clue reeled him in right on the line. Absolutely fantastic run. It's one of those, if you haven't seen it, go back and have a look at the Juvenile from Toaster last Sunday. Um, fantastic. Yeah, well done Droopy's Clue and, and, and connections. And, and again, Wrighty, you know, re- we said it on the last podcast, really nice dog. Um, you know, led everywhere but the line and um, be exciting to see where, where he goes next. Two very nice dogs. New Destiny, the hot favourite. Didn't quite happen for her, did it? But, no. um, you know, she's a she's a classy bitch as well. And um, I'm sure she's got a big future. Well, no doubt about that is there. So, no, uh, no it was a good final and, a, and a, an outstanding winner. Certainly was with Droopy's Clue at Toaster. Well, that's it for the roundup of the big news uh, when it comes to the winners. We aren't doing a betting show this week because one, the Irish Derby's on and you can have a look at Talking Dogs on YouTube because I think the the Irish boys, you know, Ian Fortune, Barry Cool, and the like uh, are definitely a little bit more qualified than myself and Joe uh, when talking about the Irish Derby. So we will put it in the show notes. You can, of course, Google it, but... It is Talking Dogs on YouTube, and I was excited to see that they've got a match race at Shelbourne on Saturday, and Barry Cole was billing it as Kerry versus Dublin, with Ballymac Katie on the Kerry side, Jack Tab and Bella on the Dublin side, but what a race that's going to be. Brilliant, yeah, two, uh, two fantastic young stayers going head-to-head. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing that one for sure. And, you know, we think, we've again, we've said it before, but more match races, please. You know, two evenly matched dogs going head-to-head. 
Um, you know, I think people want to see it. The crowds love it. You can build up the, the matchups, you know what I mean, ahead. Mm. You can give it some really good promotion and, and push, and I think people want to see it. Even free, free uh, runner dog races with three top, top evenly matched dogs going head to head would be great. I think there's definitely, you know, a market for it, especially when you've already got a top open race card going on mm. anyway. Um, I think there's, you know, I think we should do more. I think that's the key, isn't it? When there's a really top night of action, say at Hove on Saturday, and you put a match race in there as well, you've got absolutely every angle covered then. Hurdles, sprints, yeah. stayers, match, four bends, you know, you've got the lot. And that's what people will pay to go and see. You know, if you've got the whole variety across the card, that's what people want. And what I will say is Billy Brennan has said that if owners, trainers, and people get in touch with him, you can find him on Twitter and most people have him on WhatsApp. He's in all sorts of different groups uh, and syndicates and what have you. He has said that if there is an appetite for it and there's a couple of trainers and um, owners that want to get involved with some top class dogs to go match racing, he's trying to organize them. So he's the guy to get in touch with. He's on it, as we said uh, in the show on uh, Racing Post TV on Wednesday. Good. And we saw how good it was to Toaster on, you know, finals night. It, you know, again, it was great to see the connections going head to head. They put it on, they put the money up and it was a brilliant race, wasn't it? It was two mm. top class puppies um, and, you know, quite evenly matched. And it was a great spectacle. You're not always going to get that with two, with two runners, are you? But but I think, you know, when you put these together, you sort of know you've got the times, obviously, you know, the ability of the dogs and you can you can make sure it's not going to be a 10 to one on shot or anything like that. So, uh, you know, great. More, please. Speak to Billy Brennan. Uh, right, we've also got some news with the Valley. Um, they've been given the green light for an extension. They're converting the Athletic Football Club to Greyhound boarding kennels. And they've also been given the green light to extend um, the clubhouse to offer more hospitality and um, more veterinary facilities as well. So they, they seem to have just been given everything, basically, that we would want for the Valley, uh, certainly as it comes under GBGB's remit, hopefully soon. Yeah, really good news. I think there's a sale. I think Ground Trader are doing a sale there in a couple of weeks as well to to increase the dog strength uh, in Wales. But it's great to see a new track opening up again. Of course, we've still got the ongoing um, debates in the Welsh Parliament about banning greyhound racing. But at the moment, you know the valleys are cracking on. You know we've already heard the paper fin arguments from the uh, from the antis anyway. It's bringing new jobs to the region, which is a positive, you know, more money to the local economy and, of course, a great night out for the locals. So, uh, you know, looking forward to seeing that starting and, and kicking off soon. Yeah, because they've already got a bit of a, bit of a following anyway. So yeah. I'm hoping with it being a bit more regulated and coming under GBGB, hopefully we'll get a few more through the door as well. So fingers this crossed. Is, well, this is the thing as well about, you know, one of the, the arguments, people want to ban it. That's, let's get that straight. And they just use the argument of, oh, we don't know how many grounds are injured or blah, 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 because it's not regulated. Mm -hmm. Well, it is now and everything will be traced. A vet will always be present. It will be brought up to the GBGB standards that we have in, in you know, in England at the tracks. So it's it's great. It's great news for welfare. Certainly is. So exciting times for the Valley. Now, this is I'm throwing this as a curveball at you, Joe, because I didn't tell you about this beforehand. But Khan Hughes and I were talking the other week on one of, I think, the morning shows on Racing Post TV. Can't remember. I feel like it was just me and him anyway. About doing maybe a Monopoly, a Greyhound version of Monopoly to raise money for retired Greyhounds. Now they did it in idea. yeah they did it in the horse racing world and that seemed to fly and it did well. 
I just don't know how we'd get it off the ground. We, we also need some ideas of, obviously, we'd, we'd have all the stadiums. It's trying to find who'd be in, you know, the Palm, um, the Park Lane <laughs> Monopoly. Uh, not Monopoly, Park Lane. What's the other one? Mayfair. Mayfair. Um, those two spots, we'd have to, uh, might be a little bit contentious. Well, I think there. it's at home of the Greyhound Derby. You'd have to have Toaster at, at Mayfair currently, wouldn't you? It's going to be Toaster and Wimbledon, maybe, or something like that, isn't it? We're going to have to, you know, we'd have to have a think about where we're going to put everything. Yeah, with the old track. Sorry, yeah, I didn't think the, the yeah. ones at Bellevue, etc. Yeah, no, I like that. The, the, the first thing to do would be get get in touch with it. Is it Hasbro? I think so. Um, who yeah. do the who do Monopoly? Um, and let them know. I think that would be a good idea. Um, yeah, get in touch, Danny. You can do that. That's your action point for this podcast. I'm not busy enough, Joe, am I? So let's Just add Monopoly involved. into the thing. But I do I... a little sketch of a board as well with the, the places to send it off to them. Well, what I wanted to, to really have a bit of a crowdsource for is like the chance cards and the... What's the other one? Chance and... Community chest. Community chest. So those kind of cards. But they can't be called chance and community chest. They need to be called something else, uh, maybe. Um, so we just need a little bit of crowdsourcing. If, you can, if you've got any ideas for this Monopoly game, then ping me uh, on Twitter or ping Joe <laughs> at Totally Betting or Danny V. Jackson. You could have like Space Jet has just won the Regency, collect £200. Well, I was thinking you've got to have, you know, we'd have six counters in red, blue, white, black, orange and stripey because you've got the six dogs, yeah. of course, so you'd have different coloured uh, thingies. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Space Jets just won the Regency, collect £200 or whatever. Yeah. Stuff like that. Your I'm... dog your dog has won £10 in a in a grooming contest, <laughs> collect £20. Or, or Vets bills are in, pay 100 yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. See, it just writes itself, doesn't it? So that's what I'm thinking. So if we can get behind this initiative, then uh, I think we could have, I think it could be interesting. Certainly, you know, if we manage to, I, I can't imagine it'll only take six months. I was thinking of Christmas and then I'm thinking, no, it won't take only five months or whatever. So it might be a an 18 month kind of thing and we just develop it and make sure it's good and launch it for next kind of Christmas time, maybe. I don't know. It what was just you could what you couldn't have is building houses on the uh, Greyhound tracks or Got hotels. Kennels. That's not what we want. Got to build kennels. Too much of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to build homes on uh, on Oxford or anything like that. So uh... no, that's true. <laughs> that's a contentious issue, isn't it? So... Yeah, yeah. We don't want any of that. So uh, yeah, any ideas? Get them in. I've not it's a good idea. Mm. Well, yeah, it was more Khan's idea than mine. I just thought I'd float it around uh, the podcast because we reached well done, it. Khan bit more of an audience as well over here as well so um yeah if you've got any ideas ping them across because it might be so it might be a little bit of fun and we need a bit of fun because this podcast is positive it is exactly and We'd... sorry danny all right it's all right I was, <laughs> I was gonna say and speaking of oxford oh yeah speaking of oxford we've got the new traps in it's great news we finally got two new sets of traps that are going into oxford the current four bend traps are going back to Henlow they've been loaned thank you very much and we've got brand new four bend and and six bend slash sprint traps at Oxford they're in there was trialing this week over over the trips um, and I think there's going to be opens this weekend you know over the over the new distances as well as four bends which is really good news at last um, you know let's just crack on Indeed. back to normal at Oxford Good, good news, because I know it's been a while and people have been itching to get the sprints and the staying races back on the card. And hopefully, if, as all goes to plan, we should be uh, off and away this weekend. 
Right, I think that's it for the news roundup. And we know Joe no, is shaking no. his head. What else have no, we got, no, Joe? Forgot. Two things. Oh, no. Two things you forgot. Number one, I just wanted to say that Entain have agreed at their tracks oh, yeah. to pay the £200 bond that you have to pay um, for the retirement scheme. Um, any new owner of any new dog when it's registered has to pay £200 bond, of course, for its rehoming after their racing career and the GBGB match that sort of £400. However, Entain have said for the next two months, any new dog registered at their track, they'll pay that £200 bond. Obviously, look, we've seen a lot of vacant traps at the moment. You know, we know there's a rehoming crisis, which we'll touch on with, with Sean as well. Um, and, and it's it's competitive, you know, tracks want people to send their dogs there so that, you know, Entain have, have said, you know what, we'll pay the bond in the hope that people will send dogs to their tracks and trainers associated with their tracks. I don't know if any others will do something similar or, you know, different schemes to get new dogs there, but um, certainly an interesting development. And if you're an owner, it's it's good news, of course. Certainly is, yeah. So it uh, takes off the burden just slightly uh, for the next couple of months. But if you are interested, certainly in one of the Entain tracks, make sure you uh, get a dog and, and pop him over there or her. Indeed. And then there's one more. You know, we got another one. I'm useless, apparently, you, in the morning. It's early. It's early. You were <laughs> going to talk about National Greyhound Week, which was just announced. Oh, yeah. I forgot Quite to put a big it in one, my yeah. notes. <laughs> yeah, so I think it starts on the bank holiday Monday in August. So I think that's the 28th or 29th of, of August it starts. And we're hoping to get, was we're hoping to do a podcast actually about it and get spokespeople from each of the tracks that are doing something for National Greyhound Week. We'll hopefully release it maybe the week in, week, in the week before um, it starts so that you can have a bit of a plan as to where you're going to go um, what you're going to do, what you're going to see, if there's anything you, you are interested in and what's basically just what's going on at your local track. So we've already got a couple in touch um, on Twitter. If you are listening and if you are interested in telling me what is going on, or me and Joe, what's going on about um, on National Greyhound Week, if you're formulating your plans over the next couple of weeks, just let us know. It only needs to be couple of minutes of voice note or jump on a zoom with us or something like that we're very well joe's very good at organizing times and uh, dates and what have you with people i'm hopeless but joe's really good so if you are interested and you want to get involved and you want to shout about what your track's doing then do get involved with the gone to the dogs podcast because that is what we're going to do the week before yeah, great. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's a great initiative. It makes complete sense. You know, horse racing have had success with with their, you know, racing week that they do mm -hmm. and they get people to, to the stables and have open days and things like that. And it's certainly more that ground racing can do. And I hope this is the first step in, you know, something like that. And, you know, really, really appeal appealing to the masses outside of, um, you know, our ground racing bubble. Fingers crossed it does. And you'll hear more about that, of course, in our interview. We've got Sean Reynolds as our interviewee uh, this week. And it is a fascinating interview as well, all about the PR and marketing side of the Greyhound world. So I'll tell you what, let's just dive in. Okay, Sean, welcome to the podcast. And for those that don't know you, just tell us a little bit about yourself and what your job entails. 
Yeah, so um, I'm Sean and I've been, you know, fortunate to work in ground racing now for a couple of years. Um, like kind of grow up, grown up with the sport. Um, my, my granddad was a trainer stroke owner and then naturally that passion filtered down to to my dad and, and to me as well. Um, and now my role is in a PR. So I started my, my initial career was journalism, did that for five or six years um, and then transitioned to PR just before the pandemic. Um, I work for Fortitude Communications, so we're we're based in Oxford. And naturally, when Oxford Stadium reopened, um, we we touched base with um, with Kevin Booby and said, you know, who we are, what we do, how we can help. And um, yeah, we've been working with him now for for a couple of years. Um, it's a good relationship, and uh, you know, for me, for me, it's it's great. You know, love ground racing, the speedway that takes place at the stadium as well, um, which is a part of our brief, is what I grew up with as well. Um, so yeah, you know, to to be able to blend those two sports together with my profession um is you know is uh it's always nice so uh yeah that's kind of what what our role is good stuff and then tell us a little bit more about that family connection then and how you got into it via your granddad where did he train and did he have many dogs and then yeah, uh, was had... your dad involved sorry sean was your dad involved as well after that in training and stuff no not not so much my dad i mean my dad kind of helped out like um you know in and around the kennels um yeah, my, my granddad, he would have had uh, a, a fair few dogs running them at Oxford, um, Swindon, all over like the flapping scene as well, Warwick, um, which was where my, my parents met. And it, and it's funny, really, because like as me as a kid, I had, I had Warwick was like a mile and a half from my front door. Um, we had Coventry down the road as well, uh, Hinkley not too far away, Hall Green. So there was like a nice hub of, you know, good quality ground tracks. And, and I just assumed, you know, that was kind of, Path of the course everywhere, particularly Warwick, like you know, your local flapping track in my town. Like, oh, every town's got a flapping track, but it's obviously not the case. So, yeah, that was kind of my touch point. And um, I've always followed the sport, probably like through my late teenage years and early 20s, dipped in and out of it, was still aware of what was going on and maybe like the top dogs. And you know, that might be an interesting point to chat about later. But you know, once I started working with Oxford Stadium, right back into it now, and you know, you can kind of like yourself, Joe, Danny, you, you, know, you can rattle off the, you know, the, the grounds off the top of your head and what's happening when and where. Um, so yeah, it's um, I, I think it's a great sport, and you know, as as a kid growing up, if you if you couldn't talk about ground racing um, at the family table when we were eating dinner, you, you, there wasn't really a lot to chat about. <laughs> um, you know, it's just one of those things. So. Uh, yeah, no, love, love the game, and uh, it's 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 good fun. And just tell us more about what you do in your role specifically for greyhound racing now, because I know that Oxford are, are kind of leading the charge when it comes to the whole PR side of things. Yeah, it's it's multi pronged really, and I say we, we are an external agency, so for me, it's it's definitely not a full time job. Um, you know, it certainly takes a big chunk of my week, but um, it's not full time. Um, but probably what most people see would be what we do on social media um which you know takes up again a, a chunk of our work but certainly not all of it um so a, a lot of work goes into social media and you know promoting the events that happen um and you know just I, I guess you know doing something a little bit different really um shining the light on ground racing as a as a sport and you know ticket sales um restaurant bookings, that kind of stuff any commercial partnerships that there are um and then yeah outside of that a lot of media relations so we're we're constantly in contact with uh you know the oxford mail bbc radio oxford um you know we'll be pitching to, to nationals about you know stories of interest that might work for them so we've had some success with the times with the 
independent with the Telegraph, um, which has been which has been good um, to kind of bring that national attention to to greyhound racing, albeit on a on a local scale. Um, we'll we'll do that too. We'll also kind of do what we can to engage the stadium with the local community. So. Um, school visits on uh, uh, Horizon for Oxford. We've done some with Toaster, which was a project for the Derby, um, and engaging the stadium with the football club, so Oxford United. So just after this, um, after this call, I'm having a meeting with Oxford United, which we'll be talking about. You know how we can engage the football club with ground racing, and whether we can do like a, a football club themed race night, um, which hopefully will be happening later this year. Um, so yeah, no, lots of lots of stuff really. Um, it's it's adapted certainly. Like when we started with the stadium, we kind of mapped out our plan, and uh, I think as we've gone, it's it's changed. So social media, certainly, it was it was part of our brief, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. You know, that takes up a, a a big chunk of what we do. Um, so we kind of adapted it over time, and uh, as we got ingrained in the account, just like with any other client we work with. And yeah, you know, I I just hope that kind of the, the primary goal is to engage as many new people with the sport as possible. Um, if we can do that, then that's like a, that's a job well done. Yeah, absolutely, and I think you're doing a great job. But it's also I've seen some engagement with local MPs and things like that. Is that does that fall under your remit of your your job in terms of sort of promoting the sport, you know, and 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 getting pol- politicians on side? Yeah, we we um touch base with all the MPs in Oxfordshire. We kind of decided after the the campaign was launched by the RSPCA, and some follow up meetings from that. So the debate in the Senate and the Scottish Parliament as well. That uh, it just got to a ridiculous point where some of the stuff that was being mentioned in in these like formal settings was a joke in my opinion. And uh, so we contacted the the MPs. We wrote letters to to all of them. A couple of them got back to us. Uh, we had Robert Courts, who is uh, West Oxfordshire and Whitney MP, so took over from David Cameron, um, and he came down to the stadium. Uh, we gave him like a full tour. We showed him around the the other elements of the stadium as well. So the the boxing academy that's on site. Um, you know, probably what you don't see is you know in in there every night hundreds of kids who, you know, are part of Blackbird Lee's Boxing Club, which is the city's oldest club. And they were actually going to go, uh, they were going to fold if uh, it wasn't for the stadium. The stadium gave them a space to, to operate as their previous space was being used for other purposes. We showed him that, we showed him the speedway as well, and we gave him a full tour of the ground facilities. So took him into the canals, everything, and talked to him through, you know, our concerns about the, the RSPCA campaign, what we believe didn't match up to the reality of the sport and how it operates today. And he was really interested. He then subsequently is is meeting or has met um, the Blue Cross and we gave him a list of questions to, to ask them. So, you know, where's where's this information coming from? You know, j- just just show us. So I, I need to follow up with Robert and, um, and see how that's gone. But he's certainly interested. He expressed an interest in uh, in taking a, the, the Blue Cross representatives to a GBGB licensed kennel which I said is fine. Like we can, we can absolutely make that happen. Um, and that's one of the questions that he's going to ask them. So um, yeah, that, that kind of falls into our remit as well. Yeah. It's, uh, and again, that's not something we probably expected when we took on the account, but like anything, it, um, it changes over time. Yeah. I was going to say, you are always on the front foot. I see you, uh, you know, ready to call out the aunties and, You've mentioned there, obviously, they've not showed us the evidence yet. Um, is that what makes you so keen to kind of go out there and, and rebut their comments? 
Yeah, definitely. And, you know, we, we all know like the, the, the case that happened recently um, with a trainer who was attached to Sheffield and, uh, you know, going off topic slightly, we, we as a sport describe that as an isolated incident. I truly believe like that is an isolated incident in that case. It's not it's not commonplace. But I think as a, as a sport, those aspects have to be cut out immediately. Like there, there's just no, um, they, they just can't like, happen again and kevin hutton actually mentioned you know a good point on twitter and it's something that i've thought previously um you know we live in like technological era it's not hard to facetime someone um and, and kevin hutton talked about you know how every fortnight can we just make it a requirement for a, for a trainer to have to be on a facetime call with a with a gbgb stipe um you know is that possible i think that should be certainly looked at but yeah, like going back to your, to your question about, you know, calling it out, um, you know, it, it's so easy now to self-publish. So you go back 20 years ago, there were no platforms of social media that existed. The way that you got published was by having a, a, a column written in a, in a local paper, which would have been, you know, edited and vetted by um, an editor. Uh, we didn't live in a clickbait world. So, you know, news was news. Um, you know, it wasn't something that's going to grab your attention for perhaps the wrong reasons. Um, that was how you got your kind of opinions heard, unless you, of course, down a local pub. <laughs> yeah, and, and and now it's so easy to just publish what you think on a emotion. So, you know, if, if, if something, you know, has, has happened, you could be watching like a sporting event and you're kind of revved up and thinking, you know, you've got lots of opinions going on in your head and you'll, you'll publish something, you know, on emotion in that sense. Um, you can just publish anything you want anytime. It's 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 dangerous but also it kind of serves to discredit some of these campaigners i mean you'll see joe some of the interactions i've seen you've been involved in um you know the, the stuff that goes out is insane absolutely insane and anyone with any level head and and, and reasoning um will will understand that you know some of the, the the stuff that these campaigns are coming out with is just so wide of the mark and and we actually you know we used it to our advantage in a way so when we met robert and when we meet others um the, the mp we'll we'll you know show him these threads on twitter and say you know look this is what you know this is what we're kind of up against this is uh this is the kind of demographic of people who want the sport banned um these are the lengths that they'll go to 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 get their points across so yeah, it's it's a it's definitely a challenge, you know, this era of kind of self-publishing in an instant. But um I guess, you know, we we kind of just take the level-headed approach. Um we can call out, you know, the, the lies and the inconsistencies where we can, um, and try and do that to the best of our ability. I think, you know, for for me, if you don't like greyhound racing, that's fine. And we've said before, Sean, privately, you know, it, you know, injuries will happen, and unfortunately, occasionally, deaths will will occur. And you, you know, you're never going to get that number down to zero. But we need to get as close to zero as we possibly can. And you know, arguing with people on social media who define their whole online persona as being against greyhound racing you know their whole personality mm. is, is fruitless it's, it's it's pointless but you know when people are just blatantly lying you have to call those things out because people see these these claims and things and that's when i do have to jump in and i can't bite my tongue you know if there's a if there's an out and out lie yeah exactly the same yeah you know have an opinion against uh greyhound racing like if you've got that opinion that's fine i i, I ain't got an issue with that this this spot i'm thinking what's important is we're our role isn't to make everyone pro racing. We don't want everyone to be like, wow, Graham racing is fantastic. I'm definitely going to get involved with that. Um, but we want everyone to have a basic level of understanding about the sport and how it operates today. 
Um, I think that's key. And uh, yeah, this, this sport will never appeal to everyone because ultimately you've got um, animals um, who are being, you know, placed into a situation where they can pick up injuries and very occasionally they can lose their life. Um, you know, that's not just exclusive to ground racing, as we pointed out, but but that's the scenario. And and I think ground racing, in a personal view, I think ground racing has a, a broader challenge because, you know, dogs are domesticated and we have them at home as our pets and everyone who owns a dog um, will say that, you know, their dog is like their eye and, you know, they, they, they adore them so much. And this whole concept that, you know, this, this, this dog that could, you know, that, that lives in your home, uh, if it's another breed living in another environment, it could be a working dog that actually has a purpose. Um, I think that can be a, a challenge. Whereas with horses, it's more, you know, living at livery yards, living not outdoors, but they're living in like a kennel equivalent, if that makes sense. You know, they're yeah. living in like a barn. Um, so I think I think that can be a challenge um, to, to kind of get people to understand that, yeah, this is like a working animal. But yeah, no, spot on, Joe. I, I completely agree. Like, you know, there's there's a level where you just have to step in and be like, you know, that's uh, that's kind of that's not acceptable to push that, and you know, you have to call it out for what it is. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things you just touched upon about domestication of, of of dogs is when they say, you know, we've had greyhounds for thousands of years, and we didn't have greyhound racing until a hundred years ago. It's like no, but they were they were hunting and killing other animals thousands of years ago. That was what they were bred to do. And that was what they, their purpose was. It's not, yeah. you know, they weren't pets living on everyone's sofas, you know, sofas weren't around a thousand years ago. Yeah. For a start. <laughs> so, you know, things like that just, just wind me up. But uh, anyway, um, the other thing, Sean, on, on that subject is, you know, you and, and other people have always invited anyone as an open door policy to go to tracks and kennels and see firsthand what greyhound racing is all about, which is really important. However, However, as we know, people, you know, rarely take you up on that offer. I believe from chatting to you, there is a lady actually going to, to Toaster at some point to have a look. But but her aside, have, have you had much interest in, in those sorts of offers? No, no one. <laughs> no one. We had this one, uh, this one lady from Toaster and, uh, you know, it, it was it was a classic exchange on Twitter. She, um, you know, was talking about off off memory she was talking about how she you know would would be open to coming and visiting the kennels and uh, so we invited her um i deliberately left it like 48 hours and she hadn't responded so kind of went a bit firmer and said you know look come on the offer's there take it up and and to be fair to her yeah she got back and was was happy to you know arrange a date um we're we're announcing actually later this this week probably when the podcast is out about uh, something that we're going to do at toaster as part of our work at oxford which is what we'll invite her to. So it'd be her opportunity to come in and see everything that happens. But yeah, no, we, we don't get any engagement from that. We've invited the RSPCA, the Dogs Trust, the Blue Cross to come and visit. Um, they haven't. We've invited, yeah, the, the campaigners and they're not interested. They, they kind of, I, I think, you know, these are the people who you're never going to change their mind. Um, mm. And they're probably aware of that as well, to be fair. They probably realise, you know, it's not going to achieve anything. Me going to the kennel, I'm still going to be against the sport. Um, so that might be why they choose to engage. But for the the middle ground, which we talk about, those people who are neither for or against the sport, that offers there. You know, anyone can come in. Um, you know, I'll I'll take my Friday night off and, and show them around. That's that's fine, no problem. So I think it's important. I think you know, all all tracks should do it really. Um, you know, if you want to be open and transparent, that's the best way to go about it. Yeah, 100%. And then on that note, again, 
you can you tell us more about the documentary that's coming out on greyhound racing because you've just reminded me because i think you've invited um, a lot of the charities who are, who are against greyhound racing to participate in this sort of warts and all documentary as well but but i don't think any of them bar one are, are coming but firstly can you just tell our listeners that don't know about that what's happening with with the documentary when it's coming out and then and, and a little bit more about you know what the content's going to be i'm excited yeah. by it yeah, me too. <laughs> if um if you've watched Drive to Survive on Netflix, uh, the Formula One documentary, it's basically that meets ground racing. So it's going to be um every aspect of the sport. These guys have um they approached us actually, which was interesting. It made me think, you know, maybe we should have um you know looked at doing something earlier. But th- these guys came to us. We um we had a good chat with them and talked about you know what they want to do, and immediately I was I was sold and on board. And um, Kevin is kind of all open to that stuff as well so they came to the stadium did some initial um interviews with uh the all the team on the ground um since then they've gone to rearing facilities they've gone to um bookmakers houses they've gone they've come to my house they've gone everywhere you can imagine that's connected with the sport and they're, they're not sure at the minute if it's going to take the shape of a of a two-part series or if it's going to be uh like a, a two-hour film um they're still working that out but the whole idea is that you know the first part is going to be like a, a, a strong overview of the sport and how it operates today and then the second part will move into the english ground derby and they followed all the rounds um most of the trainers two of the trainers who they they've been engaged with a lot um are kevin hutton and rab mcnair they've caught all the action after from poster pillars round one exit all behind the scenes um everything it's 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 great footage um really dramatic um which is like what every sports documentary should be so yeah they're hoping to they're still filming now they're going to be going to the end of the month um they hope to kind of wrap up by now but there's still a few aspects that they want to capture so we're looking at kind of a late november release could very much likely be be later than that though um it just depends how kind of the the edit goes you know you're, you're talking about a two-hour film here and their conversion rate is um about two percent i believe so for every hundreds of minutes of filming they do um two percent or less than that will be broadcast so that kind of gives you an idea of how much filming done um but yeah we we said to them from the start like uh look here are the main campaign groups because these guys knew absolutely nothing about ground racing um they're award-winning um you know filmmakers but they knew nothing about the sport um which is good in a way because it, it means they kind of get that um subjective view if you see what i mean um but yeah we said look here are the campaign groups here's caged you know here's the rspca campaign and the dogs just in the blue cross go to them um here are their contact details and they touch base with them, caged having have engaged, uh, which is I, I think is important because they they need to uh, get kind of both sides um, across. Um, but the free charities, from what I know at the moment, have decided not to. There's suspicions within the charities that if this is a documentary that's being funded by the sport, um, they've been told that's not the case at all, and they've just decided not to engage. Which you know, as a PR man, this is their opportunity to get there talking points across um they've decided not to do that which is um disappointing but um yeah so when when it does launch uh, the premiere will be in um london i'll make sure yourself joe and danny are on the um the vip list <laughs> for that one <laughs> dust off um, the tucks yeah <laughs> and uh and then it should be uh available on demand they're, they're, they're kind of looking at 
options of where they can broadcast it. Um, but yeah, that's the plan. It, it should be it should be good. And I, I've seen like a couple of clips of what they've got, and uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. Brilliant. I'm really excited by this. I really am. It's going to be quality. And it's just, it's great again to showcase our sport to, to a wider audience and not just, you know, as I said, degenerates like ourselves that, that follow <laughs> it all the time. That's um, it, so that's, that's good. Now, with all of that in mind, you know, we've got the antis. We're doing our best to promote the sport on our side. Do you think the sport has a long term future? Yeah, I do. I, I kind of want, like, um, I haven't got kids at the minute and I, you know, love them when like they're older to grow up and want to, to be part of the sport. Um, I do think there is a future. I think, uh, you know, we say like antis within sport. I think it's always important to remember these guys are like a, a minority. I mean, look at, look at the Derby, for example, and, you know, the number of protesters that were, were promised by Animal Rising and how many actually turned up. Um, and the same for, you know, the, the volume of people that were, stood outside um they're kind of a noisy minority so yeah i i I see there being a future for the sport i think there are things that kind of need to be um changed and things that can be done to to help kind of secure that long-term future if you like but i think there's always going to be a demand for you know greyhound racing Uh, saturday night at, at oxford for example there were you know kids all the way along the front um watching the sport and and you know those those kids would have had just a stronger touch point, first touch point with the sport as I did when I first went to you know Warwick, seeing the dogs flying past. Um, you know, so I, I I see there being a future for the sport. I I don't doubt that. But um, like I said, I think there are things that can be done that would make it you know to help to secure that future for sure. Would you want to talk about a few of those things, Sean? Yeah, I think, you know, selfishly from like a PR point of view, more than more than anything. Um, and, you know, Oxford, we're, we're, we're perhaps guilty. I feel that we can still do more with Oxford. Um, but, you know, at the minute I hear like a lot of conversations about, you know, this sport being a betting product. And, and obviously the two and two go together, don't they? And and I think that will that will always be the case. But I'd like to see us showcase it more as a, as a sport. And, you know, you, Joe, on Saturday was at the um, Regency final at Hove and, uh, you know, Space Jet picked your Lauren, uh, not quite on the post, but near enough. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we should be like showcasing those stars. And, you know, I, I'm by in no way a, a, a graphic designer, for example, but I've got a basic understanding of Canva and, you know, we've started introducing a few more graphics, just just stuff like that that you might see, like content that you might see from a from a football club, where the club is being promoted as a as a sport and you know something that people want to be part of. Stuff that we could do, um, replicate from those sports into ground racing that we don't do at the moment. Um, you know, I, I look at like the the advanced cards and and final cards, and obviously the the layout for myself. It's fine. I can look at that and read it and it looks great. But ultimately, for anyone new, reading one of those final cards, it's boring. <laughs> like, it's so dumb. And, you know, is there a way of, you know, that we can potentially on a, you know, these these Saturday and Friday night fixtures, can we do something to make these, you know, race cards look a bit more attractive? Some of the some of the graphics that um, uh, Romford have done, brilliant, really good. And um, there's a photographer there whose name um, escapes me, but he takes, like, fantastic pictures um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see like that kind of come commonplace across the sport. You know, I think there, there needs to be like a good confidence behind the sport and its operation today. 
um, you know, some of the stuff that we've done as well, I think can help with that, like school visits. Um, you know, I'd like to see themed race nights. Um, so, you know, can we do like NHS race nights? Can we do um, what I was talking about earlier, you know, like a, a partnership with your local football club, all, all that kind of stuff, just to try and engage as many people who wouldn't touch base with the sport as, as possible. And, you know, we've got National Ground Week coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. That's a, that's a big opportunity to do that. Um, so, yeah, there's, um, there's, a, there's a lot that can be done, and it's certainly not, like, overnight. But from a PR point of view, um, yeah, I, I can I see there being huge potential. It's, it's just like a it's, – it's an area that's just not been tapped into by the sport, and, um, you know, the potential's there. I know that. It's now kind of up to the tracks to invest in that and um, put their own – resource in place now you just mentioned the inaugural national greyhound week can you tell us more about your plans for that week have we got like themed days or is it just a, a general awareness what what we're we doing yeah so oxford we've got on the the bank holiday monday we'll have a free entry to everyone and then you'll get a free drink on the night as well um when you turn up so you know, if you, if you know Oxford, like the 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 area that surrounds it, it is kind of one of the the, the underprivileged areas of of the county, Blackbird Lees, the estate. So you know, we'll, we'll be targeting a lot of families on that estate for that bank holiday fixture, hoping to to get them involved with the sport. Um, you know, free night out, free drink, come along, bring your families, no expense to it. You know, we know there's a cost of living crisis going on at the minute, so hopefully that kind of serves as a purpose to engage those. Um, we're also looking at a, uh, a an open kennel day, which will be um, controlled in a sense. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're limiting numbers just as it's the first event and we want to get a feel for like the reaction and response to it. But we're looking at that. Um, details of that will kind of be released in the in the next week or so. Um, so that's how we're marking it. Um, when, when it was announced, that was the first I'd heard of it. I knew it was on the GBGB's radar, but that was the first I'd heard of it. So we've kind of got four weeks to put something into to action. So so those are what that's what we'll be doing uh, this year. Um, you know, presumably it'll be a success next year um, and we can go out a bit harder. But yeah, I, I'm kind of interested to see what the you know whole purpose of the Awareness Week is to, I've said it a couple of times now, is engage people outside the sport. That should be the purpose of National Ground Week. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm kind of keen to see what the plans are, you know, for, for this year and, and ongoing, how that, that will be achieved. Um, and the GBGB have been really good. They've um, set up a few meetings with with tracks through this week to talk um, them through, you know, how they can engage with, um, like, the local media, what they can do on their social channels to promote National Greyhound Week. So, um yeah, hopefully it's um it it serves well. It's worked well in horse racing, um so um it should do the same in in ground racing, really. Yeah, fingers crossed, and it's probably something that's just going to get bigger and better as the years go on as well. But yeah. looking forward to seeing what tracks do um in this first week, and it's definitely a a step in the right direction. Um, and on that, Sean, you're a ground owner yourself, aren't you? You've got a pretty, pretty nice uh, wide running yeah. dog. Have you, have you got yeah. any more? Tell us about it, anyway. No, I I own a left paw in uh, <laughs> Jacktown Super. <laughs> so um, this is another thing as well, you know, like ownership. Um, I I, I often think like, uh, what? Why on earth wasn't I uh, like an owner in my late teens and early twenties? Because I was engaged with the sport um didn't follow it as closely as i do now but um you know why was it the case and it was probably because i literally wouldn't have a clue how to get involved and start with it 
so this came about, we did a story with uh, Chris Hamblin, who's a trainer set up at Oxford. Great story behind his, um, his you know, route into ground racing today. Um, him and his brother, they were shop fitters. Um, they've converted their unit into a fully purpose ground kennel. They're installing a swimming pool right now. They've got paddocks, they've got gallop. Um, really good story. And uh, just like out of interest, I said, you know, right, how, I didn't have a clue how much a kennel bill would be today. I, I knew nothing. And, uh, and yeah, they came to us and was like, well, you know, if, if you want like a, a share, then this is how much it'll cost. And that's what the monthly rate is. And um, it went from there. So I got involved by being at the kennel. Um, it would be nice to kind of do. And again, this is something we can do more of Oxford. You're even getting me thinking now, and, you know, just how, how people can get involved with ownership and how easy it is and also how cost friendly it is. You know, I, I know there are people who will probably listen to this podcast who, um, you know, been involved in racing for donkey's years and will say, you know, there's, Oh, there's never been a worse time to be an owner, the value of it, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I I, I love it. I think it's really good. I, I enjoy watching his races. I go and watch them as much as I can. And I find that, you know, I'll, I'll post, um, you know, like the replays on my Twitter page and on my Facebook page um, if he wins. <laughs> and uh, people all, you know, just, just walking around the village when I'm walking around with my dogs, um, they'll stop us and they'll say, oh, I saw your ground one last night, I'll, you know, at the, at the gym as well. So like at Oaksy House, everyone will be chatting in there about like uh, ground racing at some point because they'll, you know, see my dog and running and, oh, you know, where's where's local track? Oh, it's Oxford. We race Saturday nights and, you know, people plan like a night out there. So it just, it gets people talking and that's that's what I like. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. And yeah, Bale, he's doing, uh, which is kennel name, he's doing really well. Um, he ran at Hove on Saturday, got pushed out a bit wide. He was in quite a hot race, to be fair. Um, and struggled to keep up the speed from there but um, yeah he's he's doing really well it's, it's good good to be involved in and one of the lads who's in the syndicate he's uh, he's going to have him when when his racing career ends so they've got like a whole you know rounded package and that's what I said at the start I was like you know this dog has to have like it all kind of sorted out at the end if I'm going to get involved so yeah no it's great fun and I, I'd say anyone get involved um, you know you, you, you meet a bunch of new people I, I go to Oxford now and there's there's nine other faces who, you know, I, I wouldn't know previously. So when you walk around the stadium, I see these nine people, chat to them, say hello, how are you going? And uh, it's, it's, it's social more than anything as well. Yeah, it's, it's really important to get new owners involved in the sport. Um, you know, not just because you see every facet of greyhound racing and because you can go and visit the kennels on a Sunday morning and things like that. And you, you feel proper involved. But, you know, compared to other things, if, especially if you're in a syndicate, it's very cost effective. You know, it isn't. It isn't expensive. It's not going to break the bank. Not like owning a even a leg in you know a hair in a horse, for example. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's important for for welfare because um, you know if you've got a syndicate of ten people involved in a dog, it's 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 more than likely one of them might take the greyhound home, you know, in retirement afterwards as well. And we all know there's a bit of a reho- well, not a bit. There's a rehoming crisis at the moment. So having owners and private owners involved is is really important for that too. Yeah, completely agree. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the more they get involved, the the better. Um, you know, hopefully there's a couple of people I know can convince to to get involved with uh, the next one. There's no one on the horizon at the moment. No ground on the horizon now. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> but uh, we'll see. <laughs> and you mentioned you have dogs. Are either of them or any of them uh, greyhounds? Or have you got an eye on maybe a retired in the future? No. Um, 
Our sofa isn't big enough for a ground at the moment. <laughs> um, no, we've got uh, the two two whippets, no grounds at the moment. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to have one in the future, definitely. But, um, you know, whippets are my breed. Like, uh, I think they're, they're, they're great. I have so much fun with them. But, yeah, no no grounds at the minute. But, um, you know, a few years down the line, uh, perhaps. Yeah, I was going to say, I know you've got whippets. Um, and do you race those? Yeah, they race um, with... Um, less success than <laughs> um than what would be nice but uh yeah no they're um they're good as gold um so they, they race um a local track which is andover about 40 minute drive from from where i live and yeah they they, they love it and um you know one of the, one of the things with that, that staggers me with greyhounds is how calm they are walking up to the tracks unbelievably calm behind the behind the tracks and just you know tooting around not really batting an eyelid what's going on you come to a whippet race. My God, these dogs are wired going up to the traps. They are insane. You cannot hold them. You have to put their collar on the tightest possible clip because they will slip their collar if you put it in your normal one. They're just insane. They're so excited. And um, there's there's a video which a chap who um, comes to Andover, uh, David Smith, has taken of his dog. And when he traps it, he'll, he'll put the dog five yards behind the traps with the trap open. And a dog just runs in, just goes straight into the traps, doesn't even, like, you don't have to push it in or anything. And that's that part of the course. And genuinely, you come to the back of the traps and these dogs will just absolutely launch themselves in. And they're at the front going mental, trying to, like, get out the, get out the boxes as quick as they can. Yeah, they're, they're insane. They're different. I don't, know, I don't know what it is, like, whether it's something that's different in the head, but they're, 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 they're crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, yeah, you have to be selective who you've let walk them down to the start because <laughs> they'll get out if they can. <laughs> well, as someone who's got two whippets myself, I don't race them, but I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah. They were jumping up at the telly the other day because BBC was showing a, a thing about red squirrels um, and now they're coming oh. back and they just wanted to uh, to eat them, I think. Oh, squirrels, they go mad. They go absolutely <laughs> mad. The rabbits, squirrels, pheasants, deers, they're just, oh, they're, they're crazy. We, we actually, like, where I am, it's quite rural and... Uh, we have uh, obviously lots of fields and each field I've like categorized as red, amber and green. Green is they can be off the lead, no problem. Amber, like have your wits about you, red, under no circumstances are they off the lead. They're on the lead because I know that there's something knocking around somewhere. Um, yeah, they're, they're crazy. <laughs> so do, do you train them when they go racing or, or anything like that? Are they in any sort of routine ready to, to go or how does it yeah, work? Yeah, they're kind of, they're in their routine in the sense that like they'll they'll do, um, we normally go out for an hour in the morning for a walk, um, which is like more for myself. I, I like going out for a walk in the, like for an hour before I start work, but, but they love it as well. The day they just do nothing. I won't hear from them until I, I'm out working this evening, but I, I, I won't hear from them until like five o'clock. Um, and then we'll, we'll go out in the evening as well for like, uh, you know, 45 minutes or so. Um, but they love that, but it, it, no, nah, there's not really any train to it really. Um, just like good walking, similar to grounds, good walking, good food. And that said, you know, we do take them up the Lambourne gallops every now and then, and they have a good stretch and, um, yeah, that gets them puffing for sure in the deep sand, two furlongs up a hill. Um, yeah, they're knackered at the end of that. <laughs> <laughs> Have they won anything? Yeah, Willow. So Willow went through her first um, year unbeaten, and then since then she's um, she's she's not won won a thing. Um, I'm trying to think of like a sportsman who I could compare her to. She lots of promise and then uh, has dipped off dramatically. <laughs> but um, yeah, they've they've won a few races. Um, 
Whisper, Whisper struggles. Uh, so we've got Willow and Whisper. Willow's my bitch, and then um, Whisper's the dog. Um, and Whisper's hopeless, absolutely hopeless. He 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 couldn't beat a cat. He's awful at, at racing, but he loves it. So <laughs> so uh, he comes so along as well. About? Yeah, so he comes along and has a has a good time. Um, he does enjoy the pub after more than the the racing itself. Um, so yeah, yeah, no, uh, it's good. It's good fun. As I said on RPG TV the other night, if uh, you know, you've got to whip it and uh, you find stuff at loose end on a Sunday. Come along and try it because it's, uh, it's, it's great fun. Joe, that's what you're doing on a Sunday now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did actually speak. You mentioned Dave Dave Smith. I, it, there was an event in Gloucester and I said um, I might come along, but unfortunately I couldn't I couldn't make it. But I certainly wouldn't take the whippets with me because they'd be going crazy and I know that they'd want to chase um, and yeah, they'd, be, yeah. they'd be unbearable um, trying to take them. I once took them to the gallops at Fergal O'Brien's and they wanted to run out after the horses uh, when they were running up the gallops. Uh-huh. I mean, it was, it was, they were a nightmare. I mean, they just have got very high prey drive, my two, especially, yeah. I think. It's so, funny you uh, say that. So I don't know if you remember a video went viral of a whippet. It was Jamie Osborne's whippet. Um few years ago now and uh it was sat watching the horses on the gallops and it, it just bolted and went straight after all the horses <laughs> and it, it got like national newspaper coverage and everything. i didn't see that can no, you, can you I, try I and send, send it me the video it. yeah, yeah i'll send yeah, you the that's... video it's called bobby he's a bit of a he's a bit of a celebrity after my two he's the most popular whip in the village <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how that passed me by to be honest but yeah as we're on the lead obviously but if they weren't i mean they would they would have been long gone yeah there, yeah definitely they're only small. I've got a German Shepherd. Mine's 29 kilos. And if she sees horses, she goes crazy. And trying to keep her on a lead is absolutely mental. So a little tiny whippet. I'd have no problem with those. <laughs> we'll have to put you to that, Danny. <laughs> I'm up for the challenge. I'm Jane from Maxie's Mates. We are based in Dunsdale, near Gisborough. We rehome greyhounds. These are the greyhounds that have been retired from racing and they are looking for their first home. If anyone out there has a sofa to give to them, please get in touch with us. You can email us on maxiesmates at gmail.com or call us. It's 07-507-104-636. This week's best hound around is Gogo. She was called Gogo Bananas at the stadium. She's a really petite, little fast greyhound. She's really good with other dogs. She's so small. She's really calm and placid. And if anybody would like to get in touch with us, to meet her or find out more about her, please get in touch with us. Again, the email is maxiesmates at gmail.com. And the phone number is 07507104636. Thank you. Sean, so we've got a couple of uh, questions from people on social media to uh, fire at you. The first one's from uh, Rose Draper. She says, how do you propose we increase prize money uh, through sponsorship of graded racing? 
Any ideas? Yeah, yeah it's a good it's a good question, and you know, I probably not best place to to answer it like complete, but um, you know, I can certainly say you know, Fortitude, we we um are always like you know engaging with local sports clubs, and we sponsor Oxford City who play in the National League. We sponsor their development side. Um, and you know we've previously been involved with other clubs as well. And you know when when we look at partnering with a club, we we see you know are their uh, do, do their values align with ourselves? Um, what are we getting out of the partnership? So you know selfishly, are we going to kind of get a bit of exposure ourselves? And are we going to be able to meet? Are we going to be able to network and help grow the business? So yeah, I'd I'd say if Greyhound Racing wants to try and um, you know, boost the prize money of Grady Racing via sponsorship commercial deals, there's going to have to be a sense of, you know, okay, well, what can the what can the stadiums and um, tracks offer to businesses that might be interested in getting involved? Now, does that mean setting up like a, a monthly networking um, event? I mean, you know, some of these stadiums have got the capacity to do that. Um, and again, at Oxford, you know, this is something that we can do. It's all about kind of value for what you're, putting in while people are happy to perhaps pump the money in um to support something are they going to get something in in return mm. um so that's probably something that stadiums would have to consider um and it would be a lot of work um it would take like buy-in from um staff on the ground for sure but yeah in, interesting point because you know graded racing and we talked about it earlier like you know this kind of idea of it being a betting product and you know there is potential to grow it and i think you know Sheffield, they seem to have some fantastic crowds on, uh, you might have to remind me, is it like a Monday or Tuesday evening? Um, Tuesday. Tuesday evenings, yeah. You know, it kind of shows that, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter but the, the quality of the racing that happens on track. People still will want to engage with with Graham Racing, whether it be an A3, you know, an A4, A5, ultimately six dogs running around the track um, to, you know, someone who sits in that middle ground is the same as watching a, a, an open final, perhaps. Um, so yeah, no, good question, and something that the sport should um, should definitely consider, you know, looking at and and growing that area. Yeah. So we've just got one more question from the social media side. It's from the third bend. I said, do you think the sport has got the balance between growth and welfare right in its comms? And if not, how would you recommend redressing this in the next, say, five years? Yeah, another good question. Um, I think welfare comms comes as a kind of natural byproduct of um, the, the the campaigners and you know what what the antis are putting out because we want to combat those claims ultimately. And I'd I'd love to kind of be in a world where the the, the welfare comms that I do is at a minimum almost, and we can actually focus on the sport and mm. pushing that. But we do have to invest um, time into into welfare comms. Is the balance right? I'd say at the moment, um, you know, I, I can't, I can't speak for the GBTV. So, you know, in terms of like the long-term vision for the sport, um, you know, how do they communicate that enough? I, I couldn't speak on their behalf. But at Oxford, I guess we're always trying to look at the the future. We've got the ten-year lease. Um, certainly with the with the with the speedway, you know, we're we're always looking ahead and um, and with the greyhound racing, we start to bring in more like archive content. But yeah, to, to answer the question direct, as I say, I'd, I'd love to do more kind of uh, less welfare cons, not as much, um, and, and talk more about the sport and its growth. Um, but, you know, we need to communicate the the messages that come from, um, you know, the, what the stadium wants. And, um, you know, if there are areas that 
can be grown in the sport that that needs to be shouted about, then yeah, certainly let's 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 do it. And I guess in a way, you know, listen to myself, um, perhaps more can be done to to shout about the um the growth of the sport. But that kind of needs to be gone through the the, the strategy process. Um, you know, when we take on any client, we 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 look at the strategy, how they want to position themselves, what messages they want to communicate, um, and how they want to do that to the greatest impact. Um, so yeah, perhaps you know, taking a step back and looking at you know what where the sport wants to be in five, ten, twenty years time, um, something that would be worthwhile doing, and then following that up with the relevant comms that comes with it. Great answer. Well, Sean, thanks so much for your time here on Gone to the Dogs. It's been an absolute pleasure and a real refreshing, you know, new look at how we're going to promote the sport. So thank you very much indeed. Yeah, yeah, no problem. And, and this 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 podcast, by the way, is great. Like I, I think it's you know, podcast is a bit of a like buzzword at the moment, isn't it? So, um, you know, the 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 more ways that people can engage with content, the better. And uh, yeah, yourself, Joe and Danny. Um, great work and I'll let you jump in now Joe because I'll cut you off there <laughs> no I was just going to obviously agree with, with Danny look I think you're doing great work on the social media the promotion of the sport generally and you're almost creating a, a blueprint for other tracks to to do follow and, and copy and really push out obviously look there's a lot of tracks out there you know outside of the ones that you're working with that do great social media stuff now but more can be done and I just think you know sometimes it just needs a, a sort of leader if you will to show people how it's done and and then they can follow but um you know certainly in the last 12 months the the social media and the content that greyhound racing on the whole is putting out has improved you know dramatically i would say and it's it's really important to shine a light on what what happens in the sport um you know behind the scenes as well so uh, keep it up sean good work mate and uh, thanks for joining us yeah no problem at all anytime thanks for listening to gone to the dogs released every other friday for more info or to reach out on Twitter, follow at Totally Betting and at Danny V. Jackson. Podcast produced and edited by Joe Andrews and Danny Jackson. Voiceover by Katie Harvey.